John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Ready or Not 2024 is here, and we here at Breaking Points are already thinking of ways we can up our game for this critical election. We rely on our premium subs to expand coverage, upgrade the studio, add staff, give you guys the best independent coverage that is possible. If you like what we're all about, it just means the absolute world to have your support. But enough with that, let's get to the show. Very excited to be joined by Oliver Stone. He's got a new film, Nuclear Now. Let's take a look at the trailer, and then I'm going to get to an interview with him. We may have come to a point in time when Earth is asking us, do you know what you're doing? Most of our power still comes from burning gas and coal, and the amount is going up, not down. If we do not cut carbon emissions by nearly 100%, the world will suffer serious damage This is an even bigger problem than we thought. The answer to solving climate change is very straightforward. What's the best solution in your mind? Largely nuclear. 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 We've been trained from the very beginning to fear nuclear power. The very thing that we fear is what may save us. What's scary is not the same as what's dangerous. Coal is dangerous. More people die from coal in a couple of weeks than have ever died from nuclear, which is all from the one accident in Chernobyl. First question is, what about the waste? Nuclear waste is nothing compared to climate change. Once you understand it, people have a better sense of not being afraid. We have to provide clean, affordable energy to the world. In general, we need to move faster. We do this for our families, we do this for our kids and those generations. We've run out of time to be afraid.
Joining us now is the legend Oliver Stone. He is the director and the creator of the new film, Nuclear Now. It's a very important film, uh, which I believe everyone should see. Sir, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Nice to see you back again, Sagar. Oh, of course. So first of all, Oliver, you know, we've heard a little bit from you on the Joe Rogan experience and more, but I'm a big proponent of nuclear power, and we wanted to have a discussion here to focus primarily to the skeptics, of which uh, some of you engage with in the film, and which you were kind enough in order to show me a few months ago. So first of all, just why did you decide to make this film? Well, because of the future. You know, it's I was concerned that we've been hearing so much about climate change and the changes in the in the atmosphere so that you know the thing is that we're not dealing with it we we, there's a lot of talk and a lot of hyperbole people say we're getting better but we looked at all the facts i read this book that we bought in i bought in 19 2019 it was called uh, a bright future by josh goldstein and by stefan skovist uh, a swedish nuclear scientist uh, the book is very simple, lays out the facts, where we came from in 1980, 2000, and now 2020 period to 2050. And looking ahead, we just aren't going to make it. The atmosphere is going to get warmer, and we're not getting rid of the carbon dioxide pollution that's all over the world. It's in the atmosphere. And we're not, year by year, it seems to climb a little bit. Now, people talk about all these changes like renewables, uh, wind and uh, solar and hydropower changes, but you don't see the result in the in the graphs and the IPCC, the International Panel, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Control. It's a UN body. Many scientists are in it. It's a very solid organization. They've been right. Their 1980 graphs, their 2000 graphs, they were right on the money. From now, from 2000 to 2020, things have not gotten better. They've sp- we've spent billions of dollars, in fact, trillions of dollars on renewables, and it hasn't gotten better. So yes. we're, kidding our- we're kidding ourselves. Uh, and we really have to think seriously from 2050 back to now, kind of be analytical about it. And that's what this book is. And I wanted to put it into film terms because it's it's dry reading. But frankly, we tr- it's very difficult to to concretize science. But... That was a challenge for me. And uh, I I think the the movie speaks for itself. It's very clear that nuclear is not the only answer, but certainly it's a backup. It's a backup, very important backup to what we're doing now. And this will really cut the CO2 down because basically it's clean energy. It's completely clean. It has no side effects. The problem with our present solutions are we keep putting in renewables and we, but renewables don't work all the time because of the, the sun is not always out. Uh, it's night, it's winter, certain climates are better for, than other climates. As a result, we back it up with gas. And that's why the, that's why the uh, oil companies love gas because they, they, they call themselves the perfect partner for renewables. But what, we, what it is, is essentially gas leaks all along the line. This is methane, as we try to show in the film. It's invisible, you don't see it, but it's almost 25% of the of the global warming problem is is now methane that's serious right so we have to get rid of the coal we have to get rid of the oil which is hard and we have to get rid of the gas and the the only way we can really do anything about this is to bring in an alternate energy like nuclear energy which has been proven to be 
safe, clean, reliable, and scalable. Scalable in a, in a time frame that makes sense before 2050. We recently had uh, RFK Jr. on the show. We actually asked him about nuclear power. And yeah. one of the reasons that he gave for why he was opposed is that he says an insurance company would not be able to deliver them a policy. I'm curious what you make of that argument and of others who have good faith disagreements around nuclear power. Yeah, I admire uh, Robert very much. In fact, I'm supporting it. I mean, his campaign is a, is a breath of fresh air. He says things that don't get said in our culture. But on this issue, I think he's unfortunately behind the behind the eight ball. We are really in a hole, and I think it's much darker than he he knows or may know. And he's not facing up to the truth of this, which is it's bad news <laughs> for everybody in the world. It's going to get much harder, and you have to take some chance. You have to take some initiative. Nothing important airline travel, all kinds of breakthroughs in medicine cannot occur without some kind of risk. Okay, so the insurance companies uh, won't handle it. Well, so what? There's governments all over the world that are can back up this issue. You don't need insurance companies. You need government cooperation and backup as they have in all these big countries that are doing anything. The most advanced people in nuclear energy are China and Russia. By far, they have, Rosatom is a 250,000 man agency. They do a great job. They not only uh, develop uh, nuclear energy inside their own countries, but they export it to many countries who are willing to, to, to make an arrangements with them. They, they put in turnkey plants in places like Bangladesh, uh, Turkey, all over the world. Uh, China is building the most ferociously. Of course, they have the most coal, but they are building, as as far as I know, committing four hundred and forty billion dollars to their their program. By nineteen, by two thousand thirty-eight, they expect to have one hundred and fifty new nuclear reactors online, which means, uh, in addition to this fifty some that they have now, they're going to be the the world's leader in nuclear reactors in terms of volume. That's quite significant. And President Xi has made a commitment to the United Nations that by twenty sixty, he won't be at net zero in terms of emissions, it's a big statement. I hope they can live up to it because that would be the key. The United States and China would be the key in terms of population, the key, big, the biggest players here in right. terms of changing, this, changing the way we do business. Oliver, what went wrong for the climate left um, in the 1970s? You talk some about that in the film. Where did the missteps happen and what were some of the dangerous myths that kind of became concretized in yeah. a lot of people's minds who do believe in climate change. You know, whether I believed in it or not, some conservatives don't. It doesn't really matter. The point is we still must do the right thing and nuclear energy is the right thing to do. Uh, it's cleanest energy of all. It doesn't require backup. It's very important. It can, it's function self-reliant on its own. Once you build a nuclear reactor, it lasts 50, 60, sometimes 70 years and very little maintenance. It's expensive at first, but it, it pays off in the end uh, compared to what? Compared to what? You have to keep asking. Compared to coal, compared to oil? Look right. at the damage from the uh, all this waste that's in the atmosphere. All this is is the responsibility of coal and oil and, and gas. We, we come talking about the waste from nuclear nuclear plants, but that waste is nothing compared to the waste that we're facing now. The problem we have is waste. It's 
chemical waste, oil waste, gas waste. So it's just, it's illogical the way, the way that it's being argued. The point is serious. It's a serious issue and we don't face up to it because the numbers don't, the numbers are staring us in the face. Uh-huh. So uh, you asked, what was the question you asked? I'm sorry. Just just about what went wrong for people, oh, oh, for yeah. the climate left well, look, in the 1970s. Yeah, it's always a problem because you guys, con- a lot of people, a lot of news people concentrate on the pro-nuclear, anti-nuclear argument, uh-huh. which is frankly senseless at this point because we're way beyond that. But in history, I think it will be written off as a great tragedy, a great tragedy, somewhat like the Kennedy killing in the sense that we were going in the right direction. Uh-huh. President Eisenhower, his Adams for Peace program started the whole thing. Uh, the uh, John Kennedy supported it entirely. They were building in America. They were we were on target. We have a, we had a, we built about a hundred and some reactors, hundred five ten reactors, and we were maybe more a little bit more, but we were on this on the road to completely nuclearizing our society, or a lot of it, let's say we've gotten up to 80%, 90% of our society. But and that was on the way in the 1970s, early 70s. We uh, coming off of the, the Navy's program, the Navy had done initial work on nuclear submarines and tremendously successful. Hyman Rickover built submarines and then he built the first civilian reactor for the government in Shippingport, Pennsylvania. It opened in 1959. Now that's important because in other words, the Navy had set a pattern. Now, of course, with this military usage, they were had enriched enriched uranium, which is not what we're using for civilian nuclear plants. We're not going to enrich the enrichment. That's a big difference between it being a bomb and it being nuclear energy. You cannot blow up a nuclear energy plant, a generator. So a reactor, rather. Uh, so we come to this place where the United States is really moving along and it's a, and we show it in the film, uh, the, the vision of a society. And what happens is that essentially the Rockefeller Foundation starts the war. It's the oil company business. Right. Uh, 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 John D. Rockefeller's foundation. Now his son was running it at that time. Not his son, no, at that time they were both dead. But the Rockefeller Foundation had tipped the scale with a report published in the New York Times in 1956 saying that any amount of radiation, any amount of radiation is dangerous to the human body. That was significant because it got public, republished in the uh, New York Times. The publisher of the New York Times, needless to say, was on the Rockefeller Foundation <laughs> and uh, that puts a, their thumb on the scale. It, you don't need to advertise it. You just put it in the front page and it, get, it gets around. Radiation apparel to man, you know, period. And that that was the myth that kept going around and around and around. Even so, even the fact, even the fact that uh, DNA had been discovered by Crick and Watson in England, and they had suggested, and it's now been proved that DNA is repairing the body as we live. We have a double, we have a double, a, a sense of a double person, a double helix. Uh-huh. The DNA is a repair mechanism by which we continue to survive. And that includes radiation. It repairs the radiation in your body. What people don't know is we walk around in radiation. Radiation is every day. It's inside the studio. It's inside your banana when you eat it. Uh, it's If you live at a higher altitude, it's, it's more radiation, et cetera, et cetera. It's everywhere in the world. It's a fact of life. Radiation has kept the, war, the earth warm. 
since the beginning of time. It was at the, it was, it's, the, it's a belt of energy. It's a belt of tremendous warmth and energy. And it's a wonderful discovery. Marie Curie uh, discovered it in 1895. And uh, it was, she knew that they were onto a miracle energy here, that this was something different, that matter was energy. Einstein proved it in, uh, in, uh, 19, in 1905. But then, and Einstein was a big supporter of it. And then of course, we learned how to deal with nuclear energy. By the time of 1930s, we improved. And in 1940 or roughly then, uh, Fermi, Enrico Fermi, uh, on our US program, would manage to show how to control radiation, how to control the uh, uranium. And so that we could have a limited energy usage for civilian purposes. However, the war was on, and what is the natural instinct in war is to build the biggest bomb you can. Right. So the, unfortunately, timing was bad because energy, that energy was so valuable, but it was used to maximize uh, the amount of uh, damage that a bomb could do in the Hiroshima and Nagasaki attacks. And that, those two bombs set off the fear of uranium and the fear forever of, of uh, nuclear energy, which has really damaged us because they're so different. As I said before, it's not nuclear energy is not enriched uranium. Right. Yeah, they're completely different. You do such Very a good job of laying that out. People won't ever separate that, and they've confounded it ever since because of the word nuclear. Exactly. Result, we have a bunch of, as you know, all those. I grew up on horror movies in the 1950s. Everything, every, every, every mention of radiation was negative. Every Hollywood movie, monsters, uh, a, sp a radioactive spider could, could bite a man and he would be turned into Spider-Man. There was all kinds of fantasies about it. And then uh, uh, the films in the 1970s started to register, which was The China Syndrome comes along. That's a good film. Jane Fonda, Jack Lemmon. It's made at the same time as it, it comes out at the same time as the Three Mile Island breaks in the news, and that was a scare. Uh, there had been a uh, shutdown, and but there was no and a meltdown, but there was no release of radiation in the area. There was a containment structure that was built, so it was much hyped and scared to people. But there was absolutely no damage to the civilian population yes. at Three Mile Island. It was a false accident so to speak right. it was an accident but it didn't get out of hand and they deal with and they keep improving these reactors obviously but then of course 10 years later we have the chernobyl or seven years later 1986 chernobyl is the, the worst accident in nuclear history the only accident where people died really unfortunately it's not, we don't know that we just feel the hysteria because again the film business uh, hbo made that horrible uh, chernobyl series of yeah. very successful and it scared people it works you can scare people. That's the easiest thing to do. The hardest thing to do is to make them understand and uh, and believe. Yes. Uh, and that that's always the problem with filmmakers. They have they 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 tend to go the easier way out. So anyway, Chernobyl convinced people that this was a disaster, and of course, many governments started to move in that direction. And then Fukushima in two thousand sixteen. No, I'm sorry, two thousand twelve. My dates. I think it was twelve. Yeah, it was another called a nuclear disaster when in fact no one died. The Japanese citizens, it was a, there was a, what they call a hydrogen explosion. It was, it was a built where the seawall was too low. The backup generators were flooded, but no one died. The reason 
20,000 people died was from the tsunami in Japan. Tsunami was the worst they ever had, and, course, and the worst earthquake, following the worst earthquake they ever had. 20,000 people perished, and, and it was all called a nuclear disaster, which is a misnomer. So here we are reacting to all these hypothetical fears, again, from going back to the fear of radiation. Radiation we talk about in the film, radiation we live with, it's in our bodies. We go to the dentist, we get radiation, huge amounts of radiation poured into us. If you're a cancer patient, you, you, you obviously know what chemotherapy is and radiation and what it does to you, but it has been highly effective in those persons and people don't die unless they get massive, massive doses of it. So we're running around scared of, as usual, and misinformed. Well, luckily though, Oliver, one of the things I thought was that your your film would be a big sea change. You're obviously you know, a world famous filmmaker. You um, were talking just now about the HBO series Chernobyl. You took, it took a lot of courage to get this film made, as you, you've said previously about how it was really difficult to do it, but ultimately you always find a way to make the films that you wanna make. Could you talk about that process and then about the reception? You know, as now that the film is out there, people are watching it, it's finally been consumed. People like me, we're trying to get the word out about it. How Have you seen thoughts, minds begin to change as you've got it out there? Well, not yet, frankly, mm -hmm. I, and I'm hopeful, but it's a hard process to, to change public. Well, frankly, I, it, let me just tell you that in America, the polling revealed that 60% of the population is pro-nuclear development. So right. it's, it's, it's happening, but very slowly and not fast enough in, in, in the terms of this deadline we're facing of 2050. Uh, the film, unfortunately, was not supported by the studios or this or that. Not, nothing nuclear has ever been positive from the uh, film business. So this was against the grain, as always. And like with the JFK series, I, it, no official distribution came our way. We were turned down. Uh, and I think this is because the issue is considered a controversial one. Not that it is, because it's right. factual, but it's considered controversial and then people back away from it because they don't want to have all the, uh, you know, all the pressure that comes on corporations and so forth and so on. It's getting out there. I would give it away for free if I could, but uh, there are some investors in the film, and, huh. but, and they're good people, but, you know, it's going around. We're on uh, Amazon Prime. We're on uh, uh, the Apple network. We're number, we were number one last week as, uh, in documentaries. So, uh, you know, it will get around, but unfortunately, we have to go country by country. But we have foreign salesmen. We'll, I was in Korea recently because they're in a very crucial position. I would, they are, they are reopening. They were the best, one of the best uh, countries. Standardized, uh, standardized. They built standardized nuclear reactors, and they kept going, and they were doing good work. And then they had a movie too, Pandora, which scared them after the Fukushima thing. They, they turned it into a major catastrophe and people got scared. So they closed down for a few years. And as a result, you lose a, you lose a trained workforce, which is very important to keep going. Right. However, Korea and Japan are coming back online. And, uh, you know, there's other countries that are key here. Indonesia is a key country. India is going nuclear and uh, much more so than before, although they have a huge coal problem. The key countries, we've got to keep working at this. I guess I will be devoted to this for many years in terms of going around and talking about it until it happens. But 
it's 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 for our children you know i don't know why people are so waste so much time arguing about nuclear because it's a waste of time compared to what the oil companies and the coal companies and the gas companies are doing to us yeah it's fear it's predominantly fear so my final question oliver is just if there's one thing that you could get people watching this to do what would it be other than watching the film in terms of spreading the word about nuclear that's all you can do right i guess you spread the word you talk yeah. it's word of mouth What's wrong with nuclear? Nothing's wrong with it. That's the point. It's working. And we have to realize that we talk about all these other solutions and all, we're all for that. I mean, it'd be great if we if someone came up with a, a solution that was working 90% or 100% of the time, but none of them are. And none of them provide the scale and the volume. We're not talking about making, you know, a, a cell phone or an electric car here. We're talking about a continent size need of energy. I mean, you have no idea what's coming. The Africa, Asia, uh, the uh, the uh, South America, they're going to want the same things we have. They want electricity first, and they're going to get it. In addition to electricity, we have to look at the other issues, which are not just electricity. We have a huge, a huge part of our energy uh, consumption goes into, you know, cars, transportation, trains. We have to get them off off their energies and into into some form of liquid uh, liquid energy that would be safe nuclear in combination with hydrogen and carbon is it is a very likely solution and i i was at the idaho lab in in america here and uh, they're working very hard to break through on the hydrogen front what they call green hydrogen but that's with nuclear hydrogen. It's not with gas background. So it's important that hydrogen go in this direction. And I think that with nuclear, these scientists are really, and there are many young scientists, I have to say, and women too, many women scientists I saw working. This is an important new field and hopefully America will develop a new generation of young people working, trained in this business. And I think that's happening, but slowly. America is not putting enough money into it. The government is bipartisan. There's no question that from Obama, Bush, Trump, uh, Biden, they keep supporting nuclear, but they don't give it the, the lung space, the, 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 the word of mouth that it needs to, to get going. They talk about all these false solutions, I think. Well, I think you've done such an excellent you know, service to the public, and I encourage everybody to go watch the film. We're going to have the links into our description. It's always just such a pleasure to talk to you. You're such a visionary, not only on this issue, but on many others that are so important, JFK, um, foreign affairs, and so much more. So thank you, Oliver. We always appreciate your time. Thank you, Cigar. Absolutely. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.